0: Alright, so I am Bethany, like I said, if I haven't met you yet, I would love to. I'm campus staff here with RUF, and while I was preparing to uh, figure out what I wanted to talk about tonight, I started to think through what I've been um, going through, what God's been teaching me. I was encouraged by a friend to pick something that's been on my own heart, and y'all are in luck, because God and I have been talking a lot about my childhood these days and I was a really fun kid. So if you didn't know, uh, and you probably wouldn't be surprised to hear, that when I was a kid, I was running around, catching snakes, skateboarding, uh, doing karate, playing tackle football with the boys down the street. Pretty sure, not proud to admit it, but pretty sure I uh, wore cargo shorts until like ninth grade, (laughs) which is too late, (laughs) that is way too late. Um, Anyways, I was the epitome of a tomboy, basically. I hated all things cute and girly, would gag at the thought. I was different, Um, and I felt different. I always felt weird or out of place. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends, and to make matters worse, I have an older sister, and she would rub it in, and she would uh, make fun of me for being different. She put me down, uh, whenever I would try and voice this to my mom, I would try to tell her, get retribution. Um, She didn't understand. She'd say that I was being dramatic, that I was being emotional. Um, So needless to say, growing up, I did not feel that my voice was heard. Uh, I did not feel seen by my family. I didn't fit in. I was the black sheep, middle kid, tomboy, weirdo, I felt lonely a lot of the time. Uh, In fact, I started to learn, and internalize and believe that I am all alone. Because of this, I learned to become independent and tough, self-sufficient. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I don't need anybody but myself. Interestingly enough, this is something that our culture sees as a positive, uh, and a strength. But in reality, at least for me, it's a shield. Something formed from the pain of feeling all alone. So tonight we're talking about loneliness. To my senior girls, this is the first and the last time I talked to you from this place. Why did I choose to talk about this? Because college is naturally the least lonely environment you'll ever be in. You are about to enter a world where everyone is different than you where your friends won't all live within a half mile, your peers won't be your age, they won't eat a knack they won't go to Whataburger at 2 p.m., 2 a.m., or 2 p.m., probably. Um, And they don't hang out in Sharp all the time. And I want you to be ready. It might get tough for a bit, but be encouraged that no hardship is wasted in the kingdom of heaven. For loneliness can be a gift. And tonight I want you to hear this. Don't waste your loneliness. I want us to flesh that idea out in three ways. So, we'll talk about what loneliness is in our first response, how we tend to waste it by turning inward. Second, how we are to endure it by looking upward in our loneliness. And third, how we are to use it by moving outward towards others. And the passage we'll be looking at is John 4, which is Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Uh, But before we jump in, I'm going to pray. Did you pray with me? Uh, search us God and know our hearts. Tonight, test us and know our anxious thoughts, reveal to us your presence and give us ears to hear your truth. I ask that you speak to each of us personally during this time. Comfort the lonely hearts. Amen. So point one, we'll look at what is loneliness and how we tend to waste it by pointing or in, er, turning inward. Uh, Like I said, we'll do this by looking at the story of the woman at the well. So to catch us up to speed, Jesus has been with his disciples traveling. It's in John 4. If you want to look that up. Uh, Jesus has been traveling with his disciples, and he's just arrived to a city in Samaria. Starting at verse 6, the text says, Weird as he was from his journey, he was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you like me, have ever felt like an outcast? This woman in the story has it tenfold, has felt it tenfold. She's a trifecta of otherization. She's a Samaritan, a woman, and a known adulterer. And the text is pointing to the uniqueness of a Jew sitting and speaking with her. A Jewish man should not be associating with her. She was an outcast, she was a reject. The woman herself is confused by the fact that a Jew is talking to a Samaritan. Long story short, Jews hated Samaritans. Usually the women would go to the well together in the morning when it was cool, but this woman is getting her water in the sixth hour at noon, in the middle of the day, because she wants to stay all alone. Stuck in her shame, because, probably because of her sinful associations with men. She has no friends, she has no husband, and she's as lonely as they come. And in comes Jesus. Like I said earlier, everyone has felt, and many of you currently feel lonely, like this woman. Especially after this year of physical distance. We were built with the deepest and most beautiful longing to be known. But people don't know and understand you as you wish they would. We will never be loved as we ought to be loved. People you care about will hurt you and leave you. This is the place we find ourselves in God's story of redemption. So what do we do with this loneliness? We can tend to think of our loneliness as a curse. And not only do we feel alone, but we feel we're alone in feeling alone. But actually, the Bible says that in our loneliness, we are closest to the heart of Jesus. In our loneliness, we are in the position to receive God's blessing. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger for righteousness. You know, the more I think about it, the more loneliness reminds me of the feeling of hunger. Our body prompting us to eat something so we don't die. It's a good thing. It reminds me of the feeling of pain that prompts us to pull our hand back when we touch a hot stove. Humans were not made to be alone, so we feel lonely. It's not a curse. It's an impulse towards something that brings life. Do you ever think about your loneliness as a blessing? Do you ever think of your loneliness as one of those beautiful and valuable wounds you'll carry? Do you see your loneliness as a direct invitation into deeper communion with God and others? Do you see your loneliness as a gift that prompts you towards a godly hope for what is to come? Our loneliness is a valuable wound that is part of being human. So what do we do with it? Well, first we'll talk about what we too often do, but what we shouldn't do, we turn inward. We look to ourselves to deal with this pain in one of two ways. We do everything in our power to ignore it, or we dwell on the pain with a sense of self-pity. So doing everything we can to ignore the pain. This is the first point. Uh, Have y'all heard of the Jesus lizard? The ones that are like on planet Earth, that can run so fast, they like run on water. They're pretty cool. They're actually called a basilisk. Didn't even have to look that up. I already knew that. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's what we're like. Um, You'd rather not think about the fact that you've been on this campus three years, and you've only been invited into anyone's apartment three times. That's terribly sad. But rather than thinking about it, you keep busy, and you ignore the pain. You believe if you're moving fast enough, you won't have to sink into the reality of how alone you've felt. I was a huge reader growing up. Like, seriously, my mom would ground me from books when I got in trouble. I read all the time. And I didn't realize it until recently, but I'm pretty sure it was an an escape from the pain of feeling misunderstood by my family. So what do you do to avoid or escape the pain of loneliness? Do you overwork, pack out your schedule, numb out with Netflix, social media, video games, alcohol, pornography, or food? We often are so uncomfortable and impatient in our loneliness that we run ourselves ragged, trying desperately not to feel or even be alone. So we ignore the pain. We dwell on the pain with a sense of self-pity. It's the second way that we turn inward. If ignoring loneliness is skimming over the water, this reaction is sinking like a rock, and hanging out at the bottom for a little too long until you start like growing algae and looking rough. Uh, This is more than sorrow. It's self-centered. You turn inward when you start blaming yourself for your pain and your isolated state. You begin to think, I'm too weird, too annoying, too loud, too obnoxious, too quiet, too dumb, too ugly, too awkward, too boring, too needy. It's my fault that I'm alone. I'm a mistake. And this is shame, talking. This is not from God. Those are lies straight from the mouth of the accuser and they will hold you at the bottom of the lake as long as you let them. When we give in to self-absorption and shame, we start blaming others for our lack of connection as well. People always leave me. They don't reach out to me. They're exclusive. They're self-absorbed. They don't want me around, and they obviously don't care about me. And inward and downward we spiral. The issue with turning inward is that ignoring your loneliness like a Jesus lizard or dwelling on your loneliness like a rock both lead to even more disconnection from others and from God. Numbing never addresses the heart of the problem, and further isolation and self-pity make you start to hate other people and feel more safe all alone. So what should we do instead? We look upward and we move outward. So first, we look upward. Imagine you're a freshman biology student and you're really struggling with your class. Wouldn't it be weird to find advice and take comfort from a freshman in high school? She's never been through this. She wouldn't know how to relate. And I bet that conversation wouldn't make you feel much better about your situation. What would make more sense? For a sophomore or junior biology major to come alongside you and tell you that they've been there. Here's how I got through. You're not alone. I can walk through with you. We need to look upward because Jesus has experienced loneliness. Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. This means that when Jesus became a man, he experienced the same brokenness within human relationships that we do. And if you take a look at his life, you can tell he probably felt isolated and misunderstood quite a bit. One of his best friends betrayed him. The religious leaders were constantly trying to trap him in his words. His disciples didn't even understand what he was telling them 90% of the time. And ultimately, he was rejected and killed upon revealing Who he truly was. So Jesus gets it, right? He's familiar with loneliness. Honestly, though, the illustration about the biology students is remarkably far off from the depth of what Jesus does for us when we look upward to him. I've heard it said that in this short life we will experience lowercase r rejections. Referring to every rejection we experience in this life friend forgets to text you back, we get broken up with, we're misunderstood, we're betrayed, little r rejections. We will never have to experience true, deep, and complete uppercase r rejection. Rejection by God. The Bible promises over and over and over that God will never leave or forsake us, that he draws near to us, that he is our refuge that his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. So if you're a Christian, at least conceptually, you know that you're never really alone, right? God won't reject you. He won't ignore your prayers or forget about you. How do we know this? Because he can't. He can't reject you. Why? Jesus may have felt lonely throughout his lifetime. But do you understand what happened on the cross? This is a description from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is really great if you haven't read it before. This is what happened on the cross. If you were really the Son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed that little girl, he stilled the storm, fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Father, Jesus cried, frantically searching the sky. Father, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, and the last, when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God didn't answer. He turned away from his son. And tears rolled down Jesus' face, the face of the one who would wipe away every tear from every eye. God cannot withdraw from you. Jesus took on the complete and utter big art rejection of God on the cross, and we never will. He didn't just die for our sins, he experienced a type of loneliness we'll never understand. It would crush us, but celebrating Easter reminds us that it didn't crush him. Did you know that God craves constant communion with his son? He wants it all the time. It would be a character flaw for that not to apply to his adopted children. And that's you. You must understand who you are. I know it can be so uncomfortable living in this tension, experiencing painful worldly rejection while believing in Emmanuel God with us that includes perfect love and acceptance of us. We must wrestle with this. Don't settle on the belief that you're not worth being with because it's not true. You must understand who you are. You must look upward. On a more practical note to looking upward. So what do we do when we're resting in Jesus's finished work? But we still feel alone, distant from God, distant from others. How do we practically draw near to God? I know you've heard it a hundred times, and you'll hear it a hundred more, because it's true. In our loneliness, we pray. We cry out to God. This God, He is here. He's here with you. He's there when you cry out. We also read the word. We learn about the heart of this God. And third, we move outward into community, which brings me to my third point. With our loneliness, with our loneliness, having looked upward, we move outward toward others in one of three ways. Firstly, reach out to people in your hard times. Be honest when you're not doing as awesome as you're making it seem. As you do, remember that the Holy Spirit dwells in God's people, y'all. And he often meets with us through them. Let me explain. Two weeks ago, I saw Jesus' face at East Village Bohemian Pizza. True story, best pizza in Tulsa, don't at me. I was having dinner with a new friend from my community group. We were talking and I mustered up the courage to be vulnerable. Fighting back tears, I told her how lonely ministry has been this year. And how tired and overwhelmed I've been feeling. I stared at my pizza as I talked, probably because that admission felt really needy and really pathetic. But when I looked up, I saw my friend's compassionate eyes, so filled with tenderness and concern, looking back at me, and they cut right through me. It's how I imagined Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman. Through my friend, Jesus said to me, I'm so sorry it's been hard. I'm here, how can I care for you? You've been downplaying or hiding your pain lately? I'd like to encourage you to tell someone how you're actually doing. In that conversation, allow yourself to see their compassionate response as an image of Jesus' face seeing you and caring for you in that moment. Don't hear me say you should expect your friends to be Jesus for you or that God treats you like your friends do. All I'm saying is take care to notice the moments when a person shows up or sends you a kind text or sits next to you or sees you or gives you a call or loves you really well. Notice it and internalize it that Jesus was the one caring for you in that moment. It's also worth noting that the struggle you share may very well be reciprocated. And as Verne Brown says, the two most powerful words we can hear while we're in struggle are me too. The second way we move outward is that when we are deeply seen and cared for by him, we go and tell others of the story of what he has done for us, like the woman at the well. Then leaving her water jar, she went back to the town and to the people, said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. And put this down. Uh, We go out and share where our loneliness ultimately brought us directly into the presence of the Savior. People will hear and come, and many will believe. The third way we move outward is that like my friend at Bohemian Pizza, we are called to be like Jesus, moving toward others and caring for them, moving toward the outcasts and the weirdos, toward the socially awkward and the different people, toward the lonely to show them they're not alone. Second Corinthians one says, The Father of compassion and God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We can love others because we've been loved. We can comfort others because we have been comforted. We do all this in Jesus' name for his glory. To those of you out there who don't relate to the struggle and are like, what's she talking about? I'm not lonely. That's awesome. That's so great. But I would encourage you to take a look around and hear me when I say that so many people in this group are struggling with this. So when you're making plans for Friday night, when you're rolling up to large group on Wednesday, or eating lunch in ACAC. Just be aware of the lonely person, the different person who may be praying for an embodiment of God with them. I hope each of you come to experience the hunger pain of loneliness as a foretaste of the glory that's coming, an emptiness that will be filled, an invitation to draw near to the one who knows you and cannot leave you alone. I'm gonna close with one of my very favorite quotes. Uh, from Henry Nouwen. He says, the more I think about loneliness, the more I think that the wound of loneliness is actually like the Grand Canyon, a deep incision in the surface of our existence that has become an inexhaustible source of beauty and understanding. Therefore, I would like to voice loudly and clearly what might seem unpopular and maybe even disturbing. The Christian way of life does not take away our loneliness. It protects us and cherishes it as a precious gift. All gifts are from the giver, whom we call Abba Father. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this bittersweet gift of loneliness and how it points to our true country, the place where we will be in perfect union with you and each other. Help us steward this gift well. Teach us to be patient in our pain and bring it to you so you can transform it to joy. Give these students the bravery to move toward others instead of turning inward when they feel isolated. And at the same time, give them your eyes of compassion and heart for the orphan, widow, the stranger. When they sit across from hurting people, I pray that they would embody your love in a life-altering way. Thank you that we never have to experience life apart from you. You are our refuge and strength, worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We need to clap for